Welcome to Vedic Mythology, Music, and Mantras. I'm Ben Collins. This week we're going to take a brief detour from our discussion of women Vedic seers to consider the planets called Rahu and Ketu, both of whom changed signs this past week. As always, this podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web, where I have added the complete Chandipat in the Goddess section of the audio library. This is 700 verses on the Goddess Chandi, a form of Durga, and it's all quite nice to listen to. So Rahu and Ketu are changing signs, and when that happens, it is a particularly effective time to perform the Vedic rituals called Yagyas. These rituals are intended to smooth out the expression of the planet's energy in our daily life. This past week, we arranged for several large traditional yagyas in Kanchipuram at a special temple that had over 300 small murtis, or statues, of Rahu Ketu. And I've made a five-minute video from photos of the event that you can find on the opening page of the Pujanet site or at YouTube. Be sure to check that out. The Vedic system of astrology, called Jyotish, uses the sun, Moon, Mars, Mercury, Jupiter, Venus, and Saturn. The modern planets of Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto are not used. And in addition, Jyotish uses a number of shadow planets, Chaya Grahas, Chaya meaning shadow in Sanskrit, and the most prominent are called Rahu and Ketu. They have a special purpose related to the inflow of karma in our lives. Rahu and Ketu are called Chayagrahas because they have no physical existence in that they are not a ball of rock orbiting the sun. In fact, they are calculated points where the moon, during its orbit of the earth, crosses from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere and from the south to the north. These are very sensitive points, always opposite one another, and they have very specific effects in the chart of an individual. One can gain some insight into their nature with the story of the Samudra Mantanan, the churning of the ocean of milk. Samudra is ocean, and Mantanan is to churn in Sanskrit. This story is told in the Vishnu Purana, the Mahabharata, and the Srimad Bhagavatam. And it is one that I mention many times in these podcasts because it's one of the core stories in Vedic mythology. As the story goes, there was a time when the gods were not immortal. This caused them great concern because there was tremendous risk of dying when they did battle with the demons. So they were told to churn the ocean of milk to obtain the nectar of immortality, or Amrita. The ocean was very large, and so the gods used Mount Mandara as the churn, and Vasuki, the king of the Nagas, the divine snakes, as the rope to pull the mountain back and forth. The gods couldn't manage this all by themselves, so they had to get help from the demons. The gods pulled the tail, and the demons pulled the head of the snake back and forth. In order to turn the mountain, they needed a pivot point, and so it rested on Vishnu, who had taken the form of a turtle, his Korma incarnation. Back and forth they went, and gradually the ocean began to produce not nectar, but poison. Hala Hala 
which was not what the gods had expected at all. This halahala poison was so powerful and so strong that it threatened to poison the entire universe. Now, one version of the story has Vishnu, who is the protector of it all, looking at the poison because it would have been his duty to deal with it. But after thinking for a moment, he turns and says to Shiva, with just a small glint in his eye, You know, Shiva, you are called Mahadeva, the great god, the first among all the gods. So I think you should have this first gift of the ocean. So Shiva took the poison and held it in his throat, neither spitting it out nor swallowing it. The poison turned his throat blue, and so he was called Nilakanta, the blue-throated one. It said that there was a single drop of this poison which slipped from his mouth and fell onto the earth, and this became poison from which all poisonous animals derived their poisons. All the snakes, the scorpions, and biting insects got their poison from this one single drop. Eventually, the gods were assembled, ready to drink the nectar, and thereby become immortal, when one of the nagas, or divine snakes, assumed the form of a god and snuck into line. Just as he was about to take his drink, the sun and moon, who had been observing, shouted in alarm, and Vishnu immediately threw his discus, the Sudarshana chakra, and cut the snake in two. But it was too late. A single drop had been swallowed, and the Naga was already immortal, although now in two pieces. Of course, the Naga was not very pleased with the sun and the moon for having called him out, so he cursed them to be swallowed periodically, and this is what we experience as an eclipse. Rahu swallows the sun in a lunar eclipse, but when he does, it's uh, because Rahu is just the head of the snake with no stomach, the sun comes out again and Ketu swallows the moon for a lunar eclipse. So what does this mean to us? Simply stated, our astrological or Jyotish chart shows the position of the nine planets at the time we were born. Those planets are found in different positions in the various astrological signs, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, etc. The Vedic world uses the exact same signs, although with different names, Mesha, Vrishaba, Matuna, the sign that was coming into view on the horizon at the time you were born is your rising sign, or ascendant, or lagna in Sanskrit. So ultimately you have a threefold alphabet, nine planets, in twelve signs, and twelve houses. The synthesis of the various interactions between planet, sign, and house is the essence of the interpretation of a chart in Hindu astrology or Jyotish. You could look at this in two ways. On one hand, you could say that the planets are simply markers. They reflect the flow of our karma without being directly responsible for what happens. Or you could take a more mystical or philosophical view and say that throughout our previous lives, we've created a mountain of karma. All this karma together is called Sanchitta karma. We have a certain portion of that karma scheduled to be experienced in this life and that is called Parabdha Karma. The schedule for how it unfolds and what experiences we have and when is shown in our Jyotish chart. The free will that we have and which we express in the choices we make is called Kriyamani Karma. In a way, you could say that it is our Parabdha Karma that puts us into different environments and different situations 
And how we react and what we do is our Kriyamani karma. So Rahu is the head of the snake and Ketu is the tail. Keep those simple images in mind and you'll have a great understanding of how they act in daily life as seen through our Jyotish chart. In a person's chart, Rahu often stirs things up, causing the unpredictable to happen and forcing us to accommodate change and uncertainty. Rahu represents things that are foreign. Rahu is not subtle and tends to externalize things. His placement in the chart and the planets he associates with tend to show things we focus on intently, almost to the point of obsession. Why? Well, remember that Rahu, being the head of a snake without a body, has no stomach to fill. So there is never enough for Rahu. Interestingly, an astrology friend of mine calculates the charts of the Academy Award nominees each year, and virtually without fail these actors have a prominent Rahu that is being stimulated at the time of the awards. So Rahu can be incredibly positive and bring great fame and wealth when well positioned. Ketu is rather different from Rahu. Ketu is sharp and precise in contrast to Rahu's bluntness. If Rahu has the subtlety of a hammer, Ketu cuts like the surgeon's scalpel. Ketu is the planetary symbol of enlightenment or moksha, and the lack of a head is an appropriate symbol of the absorption of the small self into the universal self. Ketu, like Rahu, is unpredictable and also produces a sense of restlessness and dissatisfaction in life, perhaps to remind us that nothing in the material world can provide complete and permanent fulfillment. Interestingly, when Ketu is connected with the houses of career, then the individual will have some involvement in the world of technology as an engineer, programmer, pilot, researcher, etc. Ketu gives sharp insight and a deep, penetrating intellect. So it's interesting that these planets can produce both the compulsive and uncontrollable behavior of an addict and could also give the aspiring yogi the drive and determination to attain enlightenment. It all depends on where they are and what planets they are associated with. Rahu and Ketu can bring tremendous rise to the heights of accomplishment or a fall to the depths of misery. Jimmy Carter became president at the beginning of his Ketu Dasha, and inasmuch as Rahu and Ketu represent foreigners and foreign lands, he has had much more long-lasting impact in the world rather than at home in the U.S. Martin Luther King had Rahu in the second house, the house of speech, and he was a powerful orator. Rahu being symbolic of the masses and magnifying his commanding and powerful Mars, Ketu, which is always opposite Rahu, would therefore uh, be found in the eighth house of lifespan, and this would be symbolic of a sudden and unexpected death, which in this case was unfortunately true. Muhammad Ali, the great boxer, had Ketu in the sixth house, the place of athletic combat and competition. No wonder he said he'd float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. That Ketu, the body of the snake, is the bee sting, although it is also responsible for the debilitating neurological disease that he has suffered in his later years. We could go on and on because the role of Rahu and Ketu is particularly fascinating and can oftentimes represent the driving force in a person's chart.
Rahu and Ketu change signs every 18 months. And if you watch the events of your life over the next few months, say between now and mid-July, I think you will notice a changing of gears, like your life is moving in a new direction, with goals to accomplish and new insights to be gained. In the broadest sense, Rahu moving into the sign of Capricorn, or Makar in Sanskrit, and Ketu is moving into Cancer, or Karka, and this will bring several good things into the world over the next year and a half. Capricorn is a very responsible and structured sign, and that influence will soften Rahu's innate lack of predictability. Capricorn is a very moralistic sign, and with Rahu will hold those who have been irresponsible to account for their actions. On an international scale, you will see much attention given to those who lost control of their greed and created the financial credit crisis. But on the other hand, Rahu will exaggerate the self-righteous side of Capricorn, and the various expressions of fundamentalism around the world will not yet diminish. The good news is that K2 has finally moved away from Saturn, and that alone will bring some greater calm in the world. These two planets together were not the best combination for peace, and in the Mahabharata it says that when Saturn and K2 are together, in Leo there will be wars, which there certainly have been. Hopefully, as they move in separate directions, world events will calm down. And that's just a quick overview of Rahu and Ketu. Be sure to watch the video at Pujanet on the special Yagya. It's right there on the opening page. And you'll see the unique temple in Kanchipuram, where under a huge people tree, there are more than 300 Rahu Ketu Murtis. It is all very delightfully mystical and quite beautiful. For chanting this week, I've started with the Rahu and Ketu Kavachas. Kavacha is armor in Sanskrit, and so these mantras are to invoke the protection of Rahu and Ketu, so that they bring only positive things to us. Each selection is just a couple minutes, and then I've included a nice long selection from the Samaveda, the Kotama Shaka. It's so nice and melodious, and that will be it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Shukadantaja Vidmahe Mukarubaya Dimahi Tanora Huspachodaya Ade Asya Shri Rahu Kavanyamaha Mandrasya Chandra Ridhi Alertop Chandaha Rahur Devata Ham Vidam Vim Shaktihi Hum Gilakam Mama Rahu Graha Pradada Sitya Teja Bevini Yogaha Pranamami Sadara Hum Satpakaram Kiridinam Same Hidayam Karalasyam Bhakta Nama Bayapradam Rahum Chatur Bhujam Charma Shura Kakavarangidam Krishna Balyam Baradaram Krishna Gandhanulepanam Gobeta Kami Bhushanja Vichitra Magudan Vidam Krishna Simharatham Verum Yantam Chaiva Pradakshinam Nilam Parashirapadu Lalatam Logavandidaha Chakshushi Padu Mera Hushrotra Martha Sharirabane Nasike Karalas Yashura Padir Mukamaba Jikwam Vesim Hikasuna Kantam Mekashtanashanaha 
ಭುಜಂಗೇಶೋ ಭುಜೋ ಪಾತು ನೀಲಮಾಲ್ಯಕರೋ ಮಮ ಪಾತು ವಕ್ಷಸ್ತಮೋ ಮೂರ್ತಿ ಪಾತು ನಾಭಿಂ ವಿಧುಂ ಮುದ ಕಟಿಂಬೇಪೂಜಿತೋಗ್ರಹಾಧಿಪ್ಪಾಶುಚಿಸನ್ ಚಿತ್ರವರ್ಣಾಯ ವಿಮಹೆ ಸರ್ಪಾಯ ಧೀಮಹಿ ತನ್ನಚೋದಯಾಶ್ರೀಕೇತುಕವಚ ಮಹಾಮಂತ್ರ ಚಿತ್ರಗಂಧಾರುಲೇಪನ
ಸ್ತ್ರೀಯಾಕ್ಷರೇ ಓಂ 